Oh, the pressure burns I think at night she'll look more like her Like she got it all figured out And cause of the size of her thighs and the pout on her mouth Welcome to No Makeup, a podcast sharing authentic stories of really cool women who sign up to honestly and bravely tell us their stories. We believe stories can do a lot. They inspire, they console, and they shape our understanding of the world. So welcome as we interview women we admire and ask them to figuratively and literally, if they want to, take off their makeup and tell stories from the heart. Our podcast is proudly recorded at Vermont Public Radio. Welcome to No Makeup. I'm your host, Tiffany Bloomley, and I'm joined in the VPR studio by producer Marissa Parisi and our guest, Elizabeth Watugi. Born and raised in Nairobi, Kenya, Liz moved to Atlanta, Georgia in 2003, seven months later to Burlington. Since moving to Vermont, Liz has worked as a licensed nursing assistant, specializing in caring for seniors with significant memory issues. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. First off, why did you decide to leave Kenya? Yeah, that's interesting. I, it wasn't actually my first choice in the beginning. Um, I got married at 20, and my husband at that time, you know, ended up moving and getting an opportunity here um, in Georgia, Atlanta, as an um, engineer. So he didn't want to leave us back home. He came here for six months, and then he ended up coming back to Africa and asked us to join him. I lived in Georgia for about seven months, and then I wanted my kids not to grow up in a big city because I grew up in a big city. I started researching where is the best place I can able to live in small city, and Vermont came in mind, <laughs> which was interesting. With all of its snow. With all the snow. But my kids were so interesting about the snow. And how does it look like? I had no idea. But moving up here, we moved in November, and we ended up having a huge storm. So my, my excitement in the morning is like, I have to see the snow. Interesting, the snow was like three foot <laughs> to the door, and I could not even open the door. And I'm like, okay, the kids come down and see the snow. Yeah, that was interesting. But I love Vermont. I'm still adjusting to the weather, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so, you know, before moving to Vermont, you'd worked mostly in office administration. So I'm wondering uh, how you decided to uh, get your LNA. I think um, I, I, I got tired of working in the office, you know, sitting on one spot, just talking to people. I wanted to do something different. As my mother was a midwife, you know, she always made us volunteer to the clinic where she used to work when we were little kids, you know, come and clean up that, come and hang out with those kids. And for the people who go to the hospital, the women have small kids, they don't have a babysitter. So my mother used to let us go and volunteer to the clinic. So that way of seeing people in the hospital, I was scared about the hospital situation. But after seeing the nurses and doctors, it was something I kind of liked, watched from a distance, and I enjoyed it. And I think as I age, you know, I started realizing I need to change my profession. And I decided to do healthcare. 
And you could have, though, picked a whole lot of different things in healthcare. So why, why working with uh, elders? Um, that goes back to my my childhood. You know, we have a lot of respect for the elderly people. We used to also take care of elderly people where I grew up with my neighbors, you know, those people who have no families, and it was part of my life. So I decided instead of working in the hospital, you know, why don't I take care of the people who need me most? And that's the elderly. And, and, and how do you define that in terms of needing you most? Because I don't know. I, I realize that, you know, in America, it's different. My culture is different. And in America, I started realizing when I was training as an LNA, you know, I started noticing loneliness in the elderly where they don't have family visiting or maybe they don't have family at all. Just needing you, holding your hand, asking you, do you want to stay? I wanted to do more. <laughs> I just wanted to do more, mm. to be there for them and able to provide their needs. So what is different about <clears throat> Kenyan culture and American culture in terms of um, our approaches to aging? You know, one thing is like in um, back in, in my country is people don't, we don't have that culture of taking the elderly to retirements or nursing homes. So we take care of our elderly at home. And, and I think that is kind of a disconnection, you know, with American culture. In my culture, as you age, you gain more respect. But here, I think it is the other way around. You know, the more you age, you could, you are valued, devalue. But I look at it differently. I look at it differently to me. What do you think seniors fear the most as they age and you get to know them? Actually, for working with the, the environment I work with, I'm afraid to get old. <laughs> um, I think they are afraid of being separated from their family. And when I have a new resident moving in, first they complain, did they come and dump me here? You know, are they rejecting me? Do the, my family loves me? Or It's just like it is that way you try to explain to them, you know, your children, you know, they have their family. And they know that when you are here, you are safe. You know, there are people around the clock to make sure you are safe and taking care of you. You don't have to cook anymore. You don't have to do the laundry. There's somebody else who can do that for you. And I feel like when they come in, for them, introducing them to the rest of the resident, they feel they are not alone, you know. And that's a good thing by not feeling lonely or like you are rejected by your family. And I always remind the family when they move, they move their resident in there, try to be there for the three or four days so they can see your face every day until they start adjusting to seeing new faces. You know, they are, especially, I, I am black, you know, and there are those people who are not familiar with African-American. They are scared. You know, how can you try to explain to that person, I'm here to help you? They tell I don't need your help. But that adjustment to making them feel comfortable, feeling welcome, you belong here, this is a family, and they adjust slowly by slowly by feeling safe with the environment. So when somebody first comes to um, uh, the unit where you work, 
How do you establish rapport with them? Um, first of all, I talk to the family, you know, to know who are they, you know, before they get to where they are now. What do they do? Are they home, you know, parents taking care of their, their children at home? Or were they, most of them actually, they were nurses, doctors. So you talk about them, you know, what was your profession? Why did you like to become, why did you choose to be a, a nurse? So why did you choose? And they love to talk about their life. So the more you talk to them, the more they feel, oh, you want to know me. And then they start asking you, are you married? Do you have children? And, you know, you start talking. Usually I bring my, the pictures of my, my kids. And I tell them, this is a boy, I have two boys. And they start feeling that comfortable. They can able to talk to you without any fear. You know, because first of all, it's a fear of being in a strange environment with new faces. You can imagine the fear which they go through, trying to figure out where am I. It, it takes it, it takes time, but it also depends with personality. Some people are very social, some people are not. So it's just way in between trying to figure what do they are they social, what are the kind of activity they like. Some they like swimming, some they like just like praying bingo, some they like just to hang out by themselves. So you just have to try to figure what their likes and dislikes. Well, what have you what have you learned um, about the process of aging uh, as you've observed um, the folks who've come in and out of um, Shelburne Bay where you work? What I have learned. I have learned how to respect life in general. Because life is, is a journey. You know, how do you take your journey? And everybody takes their journey in a different way. And I try to learn a lot from them. I have one of, I called her my lady because she's a very, very good lady. I don't speak French, so she tried to talk to me in French all the time. So I'm trying to learn, to learn French from her. But the way when she tried to speak French and she's teaching me, she feels she's doing something, you know, helping me learn something new. And everybody has their own personality. And learning to have 10, 15 people with different personalities, fantastic. Different candies and all kind of tastes. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. You said you're afraid of growing old. I am afraid that, you know, I might end up in a nursing home where people don't care. I wish I can retire and go to my facility where I work <laughs> because mm -hmm. it's a good place. You know, it's a safe place and people care. But, you know, I feel like the, the fear of getting old is, is something which scares me. But all, although it is a journey, so I'll end up there someday. So, so what has your work taught you about yourself? I think working with the elderly and it has taught me how to be patient. You know, I was very, you know, the way I grew up, you know, go do, do, do this, do that, do that, and I, I have to be perfect. I don't have to be perfect anymore. But I have to grow every day and love what I do. I look at them every day. They don't remember your name. I explain, I tell my name over and over. But do I get tired of doing that? No. I try to look at life and day the way they see it. Every single day to them is a new day. I might get up, go to work, it's a bad day. I, I was tired, I was frustrated, but to them the following day is a new day. 
I try to live life through their eyes. What's been hardest for you? The hardest experiences, first of all, is to see somebody declining when I have taken care of them for so long, just to see them, you know, getting to their, their last day. I try to do the best to be there for them and for them to know that I, I am still there. I believe that even they are not verbally communicating well, they can hear. So I try to tell them, you know, I am Elizabeth and I am still here. Do you need something from me? And having to touch somebody's hand when they cannot even open their eyes, the, the presence of you matters because they, they can feel it and they hear. So I want them to hear my voice until the last day. And what do you want them to know? That I still care. I'm still there. They can also know that I'll never forget them. I always tell them, you know, I will never forget you. you because every human being, we always have an impact um, on everyday life. Maybe sometimes we don't pay attention, but everybody leave a mark in your life. And I want to make sure that the mark I leave for the people I take care of is a positive one. Well, who's made a mark on you? Oh, do you want me to talk about your dad? <laughs> he was amazing. He always used to say, there she is. I still remember every time she, he see me in the morning, I walk in, I open the door. There she is. That means a lot because there are so many people who open that door and he does, he could not recognize them all. But having to tell me, what do you want to do? Do you want me to have coffee or do you want to sit down and talk? That presence of having them and for them letting me being there for them, trusting me, you know, it's a different connection. It's a different kind of a relationship, which is helping me grow every day. I don't have my family here. So that helped me to have another kind of family. So I look at them as my family every single day. Well, in a prior conversation, you mentioned your father. Yes. My father was, was a great man. Um, he was a storyteller, as your father was. You know, he used to tell me how you traveled, how he traveled with you. So my dad, uh, he got sick, um, I think seven years. He was sick. He had cancer, and uh, a skin cancer, and I... I kind of felt I wasn't there for him because he passed when I was here in the United States. And uh, we used to talk a lot on the phone. I told him, you know, Dad, I'm not working with post office anymore, and I, I'm doing caregiving. And he told me, I want you to look at that person every day and see me, see me in them. So whatever you do to them, you have done it to me. So... To me, is a promise I made to my father. So every time I lose a person, I always tell them, would you, when you see my dad, would you tell my dad I did my best? <laughs> so mm. I'm still trying to keep my dad proud. Who were your role models in life? My mother. My mother was the caring, giving, 
somebody who was not selfish. And as children, and he all, she always taught us how to be giving and having to share what you have with other people. And she used to say to us, you know, you cannot give something you don't have. So I gave you love, so you have it. You know how it feels when you have one. So you need to share with other people. My mother is still a midwife. She's 40, 72. She's still doing it. So I, why would I not share and able to do the things for other people? So the, the question that we ask everybody right. and that we interview is, um, what's the advice that you would give to a 21-year-old that you wish maybe you'd been given when you were that age? Mm-hmm. To learn, through, learn to be strong, to know who you are, and also to know that when life gets harder, you don't give up. You just keep on working and not, you know, we, life give us a lot of challenges. And sometimes we feel like we fail or we have failed because things did not go right according to the way we wanted. So I have taken the challenges in my life, not as a negative thing, but something to learn. And I'm still learning every single day. It's clear you are. <laughs> Thanks for coming and talking to us. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the No Makeup Podcast. Tiffany Bloomley is your host, and I'm your producer, Marissa Parisi. Our theme music is written and performed by Giovannina Bucci, and we are proud and grateful to partner with Vermont Public Radio on the production of our podcast. You can hear previous episodes by looking us up on iTunes or SoundCloud or on our website, nomakeuppodcast.com. On our website, you will find cool links and more info about our guests. Sponsors for this episode include Elida Duncan, who did the awesome No Makeup logo, and our friends at Lang Roxbury and Wool. One last note, we want to hear from you. If you have suggestions on guests or topics, head on over to our contact page on our website, Facebook page, or Twitter feed and tell us what you think. Remember, nomakeuppodcast.com. No makeup, no mask. No makeup, no mask. Run is my skin This beautiful vessel I I'm living in